Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll find the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And now, here is your host, the CEO of Access Entertainment and the Media Excellence Awards, the original media maven herself, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and the MEAs, and your host for Media Maven Podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, Joe Pirate, public affairs and sportscaster. Hi, Joe. Hello, Sarah. Hey, have you been watching any movies lately? I mean, this whole COVID thing, you got to be just sitting around the house and coming up with movies. Like for me, the other day, I ended up this whole COVID going through the whole Fast and Furious series. <laughs> Seriously? I had never seen it before. So I started with one and I'm now down to what, nine or 12 now, whatever they have. Okay. So what's really crazy. What's really funny since you are our voice of God for the MEAs and all this other stuff. I've binge watched four episodes to the end of Lucifer on Netflix. I am so obsessed with it. It is so funny. I'm just finding such good stuff, but I feel like we're getting to the point where we're at the end of the rope where things are on pause and I'm running out of things to watch. I'm super excited though. The reason why I love Mr. Robot and all this AI and AR stuff, because we have some really good guests coming up and I'm super excited about our guest today because I love that people are now taking the virtual and that AR and VR, making them into storylines and telling the narrative. And so I'm looking for new stuff, but maybe our next guest today who we have could help us find something good to watch and talk a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, I think Phil Ashcroft is going to give us all the answers we need when it comes down to AR. And I mean, for a guy who, you know, whose company has been behind, you know, movies like The Revenant, True Detective, and of course, You're Mr. Robot, I'm sure he's going to give us a lot of information about where the industry's going and what can we look forward to in the next couple of years. Let's get Phil on the phone. Let's get him on the phone. Let's get him on our podcast. Okay. Phil, are you there? I am. I am. Hi. Hi, guys. Wow. We are doing well. Uh, Sarah, are you doing well? I think you are. I am good. I'm excited that we're here talking to Phil today. Joe, do you want to introduce us? Who is Phil Ashcroft? Tell us. Phil is the uh, founder and CCO. That's the chief creative officer, not the CEO, but the CCO (laughs) of Artistry. And you spell that out. It's R-T-S-T-R-Y. And he's been involved. I mean, he's basically the mogul for um, virtual and augmented reality. And he's been involved since 2015. So, I mean, again, we're talking about movies that he's been involved with, The Revenant, True Detective, and Mr. Robot. And in fact, he got started 12 years ago with the BBC. And that is very interesting. I mean, the BBC, and he still works with the BAFTA on their virtual reality group. And now I hope that they're trying to shift the awards going from just general special effects to maybe more specialized categories, because there's a lot more to special effects than just putting Walk somebody behind the green screen. Yeah, I know. I just think VR there is interesting, Phil. I'm so excited you're here. I mean, you've done so much work, you know, because obviously you are British, but you've been out here in the States for some time doing some tremendous work in the AR and VR industry. Tell us about what got you here, what you're working on, and what we have to look forward to in the VR and AR part. Sure. Wow. Low ball, huh? <laughs> um, so I guess in that order, what brought me to the States was the company I was working with at the time. I was with the BBC based out of London, but you know, kind of what I was doing at the time was was global kind of running around the world trying to set up TV shows for 
historically a music show, actually, a, a big music show we had in the UK called Top of the Pops, which had run for about 40 years, was the first global format that we'd created, which predated all of the idols, So You Think You Can Dance, Dancing with the Stars, all these sorts of guys. Really, the, the first one that we'd come up with was this music chart show. And we we realized that there was something to this business of kind of creating local versions of a, of a TV show. And so I'd been doing that for a number of years. And the show, we, we wrapped the show in 2003. And I came out here in 2007 with the local production team here. So uh, we had Dancing with the Stars was, was the big show. But one of the big things I kind of came out to develop was, was a motoring show, this um, Top Gear, and helped with that. And and so that's really the reason for coming coming to the States. It was the, the one market I hadn't really worked in up until that point. I'd, I'd done business in Asia and Europe and Australasia and all over the world. And America was obviously the big market left to left to do some do some work in. Is all your stuff VR and AR? I mean, I, when, when we chatted like years ago, mm-hmm. you actually and, and I know I'm not sure where this went. Was it VR, AR theme park? There were so yeah. many great things. You're very you're you're a tech guy in the entertainment space, which yeah. I think is tremendous. You're at that intersection right now with us. What's going on? I mean, how difficult is it to get these shows off the ground in VR and AR right now, as opposed to the traditional? Because we're in COVID, we're on lockdown. Everybody's now kind of lean on tech to entertain. Tell yeah. us how this is evolving and what that looks like right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because I think one of the things that happened right at the outset of of COVID was one of the previous companies I worked at was specializing in remote production techniques and tools. And so I'd kind of gone from the content creation side onto the technology side pretty heavily. And back then, this was kind of 2019, there there was already a move towards kind of obviously creating efficiency in the workflows when you're on big big studio productions, you know, $100, $200 million. The workflows on those things are immense. And so the technology can be used to do a lot of the heavy lifting. If you have second units and third units, being able to coordinate between them. And so a lot of those technologies have just kind of leapfrogged as we entered this world where firstly production locked down, as everybody knows, you know, there was just nothing happening for a bit and then cut to now, uh, depending on where you are on the planet, you know, if you're in New Zealand, there's, there's virtually, you know, there's virtually no lockdown. I just literally saw an announcement from the UK that they're going back to more stringent measures. So depending on where you are, production has invariably changed and the technology has helped with some of those challenges that have come about because quite frankly, people aren't allowed to be together in the same way that they used to be. So when it comes to virtual and augmented, the tools can be and have been used quite successfully to help with that production process. A lot of what you see is the larger productions being broken down into different workflows into smaller units you know, quite simply because having a bunch of people together in a room is not necessarily the best idea for the near future. And so smaller units, multiple locations, remote work, virtual production, all of these things are sort of buzzwords in the industry that are massive right now. But I'd say further to that, I think they're here to stay. And I think the sooner that we kind of embrace these, that we're in this kind of new world, the better. The best people are already there. They're not looking back. They're looking forward. And they're using the technology to help them make 
better versions of shows as opposed to kind of like things that are almost as good as they used to be. And I've seen some examples, and it really breaks my heart because a lot of these guys are my friends. And you see some of the shows that are kind of like hankering after, you know, a time when we could have done this pre-COVID. And I'm like, I get it. I get everybody feels it. But I think the sooner we just kind of pull up our pants and move on and, and, and like work with what we have right now, the better for everybody. Yeah. I have a question uh, coming off of that. Does this technology, Phil, does it make it easier for maybe not the studios, but maybe easier for the smaller uh, filmmakers uh, to do quality productions? I've seen some fan films out there, and I know that's a bad word amongst some of the studios, but I've seen some fan films out there that are very good. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I I think th- this has been coming for a long time, and and I, I remember there was a real clear moment for me, maybe three or four years ago, when we would I was a BAFTA member, I was a board member of BAFTA at the time. We do a, a student film award every year, right? And and you know you get the best and the brightest from across the world submitting their short films, and it was the year. So I I could actually timestamp it. It was the year Gravity came out, and and a kid had done a version of Gravity as a student film. And this is no disrespect to Gravity. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. But the quality of production that this kid, I'm saying kid, but he was a, you know, a, a full-on student with an with a incredible eye for cinematography and, and production, had made this short film and the quality was off the charts. And the way that he had done it was using, you know, using uh, new tools and, and, and technologies. And those technologies are around. They're available. We, uh, yeah, I had a conversation with with the Epic guys just after the launch of the Mandalorian, oh. and you know, obviously that's a studio picture, it's a studio show, but the price point for that quality of production has just dropped through the floor. So, does that mean that it's more accessible? Absolutely. Does it mean that more people have access to that technology? Absolutely. A lot of these tools have, if not free, certainly very affordable versions of themselves. And and it's kind of it's opened up the doors to creativity again, which which is which is fantastic. The challenge, you know, kind of completing the circle is, you know, more on the on the awareness side of things now. There's so much great stuff coming out at such a great quality. I struggle. I mean, you know, I struggle to stay abreast of what's being released right now. You know, well, the that's, sort of- kind of, that's kind of what we talked about starting in. Everybody is like, I, I'm guilty. I've binge watched five or six of the biggest Netflix original series. There's, I mean, obviously we came to a standstill. I think everybody I'm talking to, well, what are you watching? I don't know, what are you watching? Because we're all on Netflix, we're all on Amazon. They're not really embracing, and they may be embracing the AR and VR side of stuff. But I feel like, like you said, there's so much more content out there, but people aren't really seeing it because they're so stuck to that Netflix, Amazon model. And I don't feel there's anything exposing and evolving there and with the AR and VR for us to watch. I mean, am, am I wrong on that? Like- um, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's a very different medium first and foremost, AR and VR and for whatever you would call what used to be TV distributed over the internet principally now. I think if you, if you listen to Netflix, their competition is just attention. So it's not a parallel, it's not, it's not a system network, it's not another channel, it's not, you know, it's a board game, it's a book, it's, it's anything that's going to compete with the attention that isn't on Netflix. And so if you flip that the other way, absolutely, these experiences are, are very much in danger of being drowned out because you have, you have a very successful industry and you have a very, I mean, 
you know, without keeping on going on about Netflix, you have a very successful property that is incredible at marketing, you know, and, and, and very good at generating awareness against a catalog of thousands of titles. And that's just one thing that's competing for your attention against. I just watched some Peacock for the first time the other day because. How do you like it? How do you well, like it? they've got they've got the Premiership on, so they've got my my channel my my <laughs> thing playing. So like I'm watching it. I, I love it. I used to have to pay thirty dollars a month for that. It's five dollars a month right now. It's it's great for me, you know. But then I have to go down the rabbit hole of what the hell is Peacock all about and what's in there, and it's like you know. It's almost exhausting thinking about it at this point. It's like, you know, I've got HBO Max, I've got Netflix, I've got Amazon, I've got Peacock, I've got Disney Plus. I'm like, I don't have enough time. I don't know anybody who has enough time for this stuff. Yeah, they're all competing for ratings and content and everything. What so let's niche up a little bit. We're talking about VR, AR, your history and everything. Okay, so I have like two questions. One, what are you working on currently and how are you bringing AR and VR to the market to entertain people? But most importantly, let's talk about the AR, VR theme park. Where is that at? I know COVID, there's no theme parks, but you're like gamifying the whole industry and doing the AR, VR theme park is pretty outstanding. Is that still a go or is that just still in planning phases? And what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a massive development project. It's been in the works for a few years now under various guises. The central premise really was to, to memorialize and enshrine the world of gaming. And so to take it as a medium in the same way that anything else has a Hall of Fame, that gaming should have a Hall of Fame as well. So to recognize its history, everything from, you know, you could go as far back as you wanted to go. But, you know, certainly since the advent of computer gaming and console gaming through to the present, which encapsulates virtual reality and augmented gaming. And so and somewhat into the future as well. So that's the premise for the project. It's been developed with a a number of key partners in mind over the years. And we have had significant interest, as you'd expect, in China. And here in a variety of guises and in Europe. And so it's kind of one of those beautiful, slow moving, monstrous caravans of, you know, people all working together to try and get something, you know, momentous off the ground. So I'm thinking theme park. We've all seen us at CES. Uh-huh. Know, we have the goggles on, the VR glasses, we're in a virtual world. I'm thinking being on this monster roller coaster, like, holy shit, what the hell? But I'm in the virtual, you yeah, know, I'm, yeah. that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, there's tons of that. I mean, we, we had an iteration of it, which was the largest VR arcade in the world. We've developed a bunch of concept for this. And it's, you know, quite frankly, it's still in development. You know, VR and AR is is not a new technology anymore. We're on its, you know, third, possibly fourth wave, depending on how you define it. It just keeps on getting better. I think the form factor keeps on getting better. It's kind of akin to, I remember my dad coming home for the first time with with the first mobile phone, which looked like the nuclear launch codes to, a, you know, it was a suitcase. It had the big wires coming out of it. It weighed more than I did. And the first headsets for VR were pretty much the same thing. We'll be looking back going, Jesus Christ, how did you even you know, keep your head on your body with that thing on you? So they're getting better. They're getting lighter. They're getting closer to a place where that form factor is just seamless. And, and people are just going to actually have full-on pleasurable experiences. We're not that far away from that. What are you working on right now in the VR AR space? 
Well, I, I think we were talking offline. A, a lot of this has kind of transitioned into some of the work that we're doing in, in the AI entertainment space. A lot of gameplay, as you guys probably know, has some of the best AI some of the best AI guys on the planet work in, in entertainment and, and they work in games. You know, people are trying to wrest them over, over, you know, they're being clawed out of the buildings because it's the coolest job in the world. If you do AI, who doesn't want to design gameplay? It's, it's fun. It's awesome. So some of the early fantastic AI has, has already come out of the entertainment industry and it's been passed into other sectors, into automotive and tech and blah, 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 blah. We've been working with a, a UK company that has a, a really interesting AI engine that they're using to help tell stories. And so it, it's the kind of 21st century version of a choose your own adventure novel. Can we? I know where we're going with this. Can we talk about it? I mean, it's a podcast. Sure. So why not? Can we, can we talk about the title of that and a little bit about it? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Happy. I don't want to be the one to leak it and get in trouble. So I'm going to let you leak it. No, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. Um, it's it's a British company called Charisma. They are affiliated. They're, they're based out of Oxford in the UK, which is, for people here, it's, it's a big uh, university town. And so there's a lot. What, what we find with, with AI is it tends to be concentrated around centers of academia because a lot of it is passed out of you know, the brainiacs who are so brainiac, they can't even speak. They just hive mind each other. They're that clever. And so Oxford is one of those towns. There's a great center of excellence for AI there. The principle behind it is actually an old colleague of mine from the BBC from way back in the day. And we actually met over interactive TV, if you can even believe, almost 20 years ago. And so uh, funnily enough, a lot of those tools and techniques actually apply to modern day AI storytelling. And this company has created a really amazing platform for, for using AI to help tell stories. They put you in the middle of the story. And to date, they've done work with uh, production companies out in the UK. They've launched a comic book platform for interactive graphic novels, where you get to interact with that comic as opposed to just kind of flip the page. And that's really cool. And then literally hot off the presses they've just launched a new short form version of that which is one minute snackable tiktok-esque versions of this where you can just kind of like dive into a little thing for a for a few minutes and play with it and and um, and move on is this uh, alice in wonderland well so alice in wonderland is a really interesting case study that's something we, I, I hadn't talked about that is interactive theater and so they partnered with the Creation Theatre Group in the UK to create an interactive version of Alice in Wonderland, oh. which is, again, back to the kind of production techniques we were talking about. A lot of live is kind of derivations of what we're doing right now. It's derivations of a Zoom. And so Zoom was used as the platform for this, but the characters, the actors were each windows into the Zoom world along with the audience and so the audience were really immersed in the in the theater. So the, the characters were calling out to Sarah, hey, show us your bunny ears or whatever it might be. Well, me go get those. And then you get your bunny ears and you're on. And then all of a sudden you take center stage. So it, it was a really interesting case study. The charisma technology powered the Cheshire Cat, the grinning Cheshire Cat, if you remember that character. So yeah. there was an interactive AI experience in, in the middle of all of this. And uh, and I played it a few times along alongside kind of working with Charisma on it. And my 
Yeah, B loved it. She was obsessed with it. She thought it was hilarious. You know, she had a mobile phone out at various points. There's little games in the show that kind of were used by the crowd. So it was a real kind of like throw everything in the kitchen sink at this, see what sticks. They rolled out that format over 30 days. They did 45 performances over 30 days. Wow. So they really just cranked it. And it's something that I've, I've, I've subsequently sort of been talking with people here about because I think it's a really interesting format coming full circle that could be done at scale. Difficult for me to imagine like, uh, you know, some of the live shows they do not, not right now, like Jesus Christ Superstar or Grease Live or any of those sorts of things done through this format where you actually, as an audience member, you're part of the show versus just kind of sitting back and watching the, the performance take place. Bill, are they actually uh, also using uh, the AI AR for uh, more tech uses, like uh, with education, with uh, teaching people how to do certain things that uh, you may not know yeah, about? 100%. I mean, I, I think not, not this company specifically, but on the AR VR front, certainly, you know, it's a good delineation for me between the two mediums. The, the VR, VR is a very much a trapped experience and, and it is really amazing at specific types of educational things. So again, kind of using my daughter as a benchmark, unfortunately old enough to remember encyclopedias on the wall of my school library where I would leaf through and I'd find, you know, the the story of the Aztec pyramids and, and you know and I'd read it and it would be oh that's interesting, fascinating. And then and then we had the interactive DVDs and that was the first time that you'd see, you know, footage of of the pyramids. You know, and cut to today you know, we're not that far away from just being like, I'm going to go play in the pyramids. I'm going to put my headset on. I'm going to go in and I'm going to learn. All of history is potentially available to me in that medium. And as we know about education, education is immersive as an experience and you learn better when you're more deeply immersed. It's a phenomenal way to educate. I know in different sectors, automotive have really picked up on it heavily. Like they train a lot of engineers on certain parts of the process now using VR. And then on the other side with AR, I mean, it's almost boundless. It's almost like if you, AR to me feels much more like it's a wonderful collective experience. It's the thing that between the three of us, I could show you what I'm talking about by throwing out some AR on the table and we would be able to collectively talk, you know, this is a physical object that might my cup of coffee, but it's just as easy in AR for that to be a virtual object that we can we can all collect and congregate around. And so that's the educational component of both of those experiences. Yeah. I just think, you know, AR and VR, like you said earlier, Phil, it has been around for a while. We used to have a defense contract client, systems tech, God, mm-hmm. like five years ago, six years. And when we met them and worked with them, it was a whole virtual simulator for the gun runners in the back of decks, the parachute dropping. So we had to get into this whole thing with the big goggles on, strapped up off a ladder into this harness as we were parachuting down. And we had to drop and open our chutes at a certain time. And then some of these guys that are in the field with the armies, they're doing the practices virtually. So they see their gun, they can see the hand and and everything. So when they're getting out there in the field, they're more prepared for these scenarios in real life to save lives. And it was interesting because we loved the whole client. It was all this interactive. And I was so astounded by the technology of the virtual world of jumping out of airplanes yep. and so much stuff they were doing. And at that point, in hindsight, I realized VR and AR 
is it's been around forever. It's been used by the government to help yeah. keep the um, soldiers safer. And now it's evolved from such a rudimentary, harsh, you know, what mm-hmm. we need to do to keep you safe to practice to the advance and how it's evolved to Disney and to yeah, all these yeah, in, interactive things. Yeah. That, that that down to some of the really interesting stuff is more on the therapeutic end as well. So there's a, a guy you should have on, actually, Skip, Skip Rizzo down at the USC. And some of the work that they've been doing down there is is uh, defense funded and it's therapeutic VR for veterans treating PTSD. And one of the experiences they have there is a, is a VR rig with a, a haptic suit and a rumble strip. And they they found through putting veterans back into the experience where they experienced the trauma and allowing the vet to explain what was happening at the time and, and working with a, a coder to, to drop in the experience and tailor it to them, they've enhanced the cycle of rehab like exponentially. It's so much more effective than anything they've ever done in terms of therapy. And it's combined with the other therapies they use. But it's like it's an example of how the technology can be used in so many different ways. Yeah, it's evolved across so many platforms right now. Joe, I know you're going to ask a question, voice of God. (laughs) Phil, I'd like you to take us into the future of AR. And what do you see it happening? Do you see a point where maybe five, 10 years from now that, you know, I could strap on the goggles and actually be in a movie with uh, someone like Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's difficult to imagine a scenario where it's prolific. In the earlier stages, when I when I first started kind of doing some stuff in VR and the form factor was really clunky and people would always ask, you know, is this going to work? And the easier way to answer the question is like, stare 30 years into the future and imagine it not being there, right? If you had a perfect form factor and the perfect uh, user interface and if you had the perfect content available, how can this not work? Because it's, an, it's a technology that everybody finds useful in some shape or form. Can I, in the moment, be smarter, more informed, better entertained? Absolutely, that technology does that. A big factor is, as I keep on kind of banging on about, is the form factor, is, is something that is, quite frankly, as simple as a pair of glasses, something that has the ease of use and, and familiarity of a pair of glasses. You know, we've probably all seen the Black Mirror episode where there are contact lenses and, and there are early iterations of that. But I think when we get to that point where it is as simple as one of those two things and the experience, the content is there, then, you know, we're, we're going to be in a world where you're creating your own world. I mean, we're already there to some degree anyway. The social worlds that we live in are largely of our own creation. And so we we've kind of got to a point where, we're all experiencing our own world much more than we ever have done in human history. And I think it's difficult to imagine that not continuing. And as you take that into the virtual and augmented space, it just becomes more tailored. I mean, there's there's some fantastic stuff by a sci-fi author, a guy called Neil Stevenson, who is super famous and has written some brilliant stuff. Some of his visions for the future are, are prescient terrifying, dystopian, all the things that we expect them to be, but they're coming real as well, you know, and, and there's other 
entertainment experiences that we've already seen, you know, things like we'll look back on now and say in the same way that we were talking about that first mobile phone coming home. It'll be that. It'll be like, oh, wasn't it amusing when we kind of had 8-bit characters on our virtual reality headsets? It, it will blend. It will be seamless. It will be, it will be hyper real. You know, we'll be able to add all of these tools and technologies into a, into our everyday lives in a, in a completely seamless fashion. That's so funny because we spoke with another famous, one of my favorite bridge, Ralph Simon. Mm. Um, you know, Joe and I did this podcast with him about right. the godfather of the ringback tones and music and stuff. So it's interesting to see how everything's evolved. But you mentioned a comment like I binged through Black Mirrors. I, Joe, did you see it too? I'm assuming you and Phil both watched it. Yes. Yep. Okay, so I binged that and Electric Dreams, which Phil, mm-hmm. I think you watched. And what I love about this is everybody thinks this is dystopian, futuristic sci-fi thing but when I, I've been through all of those and when I'm seeing them yeah we could do that yeah we've done that yeah we're already there yeah we have this and it's interesting to see how they are so futuristic and getting ahead of the curve and taking that now into content and I saw I forgot what it was it was probably on Netflix or in the menu was something like five six years ago with Liam Nelson it was called AI and I'm thinking, I'm looking at the date of when it came out before AI and AR and VR even became AI, VR and AR. Because we're yeah. seeing all of these shows being created that are so futuristic, but they're not as futuristic anymore. No, no. Think well, they are. This is well, amazing. Job, because I want the context where I blink and I can rewind stuff. So I'm looking at the stuff thinking, dang, this is this is in production. This is an R&D right now. These guys were genius to film these movies and these shows four or five years ago. Totally. And well, even, even further back, a friend of mine was one of the original producers on Blade Runner. And I texted her last week, you know, when all the fires were kicking out and, and the skies were red. And I was like, if only Ridley had put 2021, it would have been on point. Like the skies were red, the, the sun was blurred out. Yeah. We're in this sort of dystopian, futuristic world right now. And, you know, it was whatever, 30 years ago. Sci fi has always been predicting the future. Yeah, they don't get it on point the whole time, but they, they, these visions tend to come from the creative community. The premise, the stories, or the ideas. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's interesting. No, I think it's interesting that, but they always say what? Art imitates life or life imitates art. Now it's such a blur because I feel we're still back to March 20, you know, 15th and mm-hmm. everything. But one of my questions to you is, I mean, we we're talking about COVID. A lot of people are in COVID right now. Where are we? I mean, is AR and VR something that can be used to save lives down the road and in the future? 100%. I mean, I, I think we're the one thing that we kind of, well, there's several things we know about COVID, but one thing we know about COVID is that, that distance is probably our ultimate weapon right now, right? Isolation and social distancing are probably the most powerful and potent things that we have available to us. Now, the flip side to that is that creates huge amounts of other social problems, like people feeling isolated and feel like, you know, I get it. You know, sometimes you're, you're locked up in your box and you just, you miss that time where we were all together and we were doing things. And, and, and so on a very rudimentary level, it can connect us in, in, in a way that uh, can help. But, and and, and in, in terms of building on that, Absolutely. I mean, going back to remote workflows and how, well, in, in my world, how productions can take place 
on very spaced out sets, these tools can really, really help with that. I'm thinking like, you know, because we, you know, we do, we try to not hammer down on COVID on all our podcasts because everybody's so tired of it. But we do have had a few guests about health, fitness, you know, COVID smart. And I'm just because we were so far ahead of this from the content entertainment side with studios, you know, the gaming side on the theme park. I'm then wondering if our future is going to be using the technology, you know, first responders, hospitals to literally save lives. And I'm kind of wondering how and it's hard because none of us obviously that I know are doctors and surgeons on this call. but. I mean, we it's it's such a scalable technology. There's got to be somebody out there working on AR VR from surgeries. I guess is not a great way to preface that, but no, I mean they 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 do have. There are medical grade VR headsets right now. There are. I I I have a, a friend who's a surgeon up in the bay, and he he operates using robots. You know, it's it's a well. You know, for certain tools and certain techniques and, and operations, they they will use the robot because it has a degree of accuracy that humans yeah. can't. Now, he doesn't necessarily have to be in the room, and he's and he's often not in the room when that robot is doing the operation. Yeah, I don't know if I want a robot working on me, but there is a company that, unfortunately, that I had the pleasure of running into during brain surgery years ago where they take, you know, remember the black eyed peas? Oh my God. We actually represented, we were with AG at the time the world tour came out. So now bringing back too many weird memories and it was the robotic head with all the green lines. And so there's a company that's working with seeders, like mainly brain surgeons and heart surgeries where it's like GPS. It's like a virtual AI and it's okay. You go right. It's going to take you an extra hour to get there, but, it's better. Or if you go left, you could get there quicker to ward off these, but there's vessels, there's veins, there's some troubles ahead. It's like a GPS. And I know for a fact, because I know my brain surgeon actually used it. And a client of mine at the time was on the board for this technology. And I was like, five, what I look at Joe, like five and a half years ago. And the first one I went through, they used that technology. And I was didn't care about the brain tumor. I was like, oh my God, that technology, that AI that looks like a black eyed peas album head that you guys, I turn the screen around. I can't have to stay awake longer because I was so enthralled with that advanced technology that Uh I think it is moving into the medical industry much quicker and faster. Thank God, nobody, majority of people do not know about it because they've never had to be in that situation on a table. But at the same time, there's so much of this AI and like VR stuff that's moving into the surgeries. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also on on the AI side, it's getting exponentially more powerful, like all technologies, and and it's getting exponentially more useful. So whilst it's not in the kind of cyborg, cybernetic robot, you know, blah, blah, blah space, it's really powerful in the diagnostic phase. And so there have been countless studies where AI has surpassed the human ability to recognize and, and diagnose certain ailments yeah and that's not going to go i mean it's just going to improve it's going to get better quality it's going to get faster we're going to be able to get super rapid diagnosis of of ailments things that would have taken weeks to get back we can get back in in minutes all of those things are just going to help with you know medical care and 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 people's access and and ability to you know live and thrive and and heal from things that uh, you know historically would have wiped us out I'm just going to bring it full circle for mm-hmm. if we have a few minutes left. I mean, we've gone from entertainment to health and NASA. 
Mm-hmm. SpaceX, they're relying heavily on AR, VR, and AI. I'm Hypergiant out of, I think Hypergiant was one of the MEA winners. They're based out of Texas. They are so big into NASA with their AI and yep. AR technology. I mean, we have a whole world ahead of us based in AR and VR from health to space. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, back to that central premise of being able to either train or, or connect us. It doesn't take, <laughs> I was going to say, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. That was a bad joke. <laughs> but like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to imagine the world that we could be in using these technologies. And they're going to become more and more useful as more and more people try and, you know, get off this rock and go to another rock. These tools would just become more and more used. They're more scalable. They're incredibly useful when you're trapped in a small little bubble in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And and you know, as with all these things, a lot, a lot of great technology gets created in these sort of giant leaps forward. And you know, for all the shit, if I can say that, that we're in right now with COVID. It's creating a leap forward in technology and use of technology. And, and it's, I'm not trying to belittle how tough a time it is for, for so many people. And at the same time, it's, it's, it's wiping people forward into using technologies they probably wouldn't have used without something like this for another five or 10 years. Just kind of ended on a, it is almost four o'clock, yep. prisoner's wine. Joe, oh. do you know about prisoner's wine? Because I know you brew craft beer and stuff. Prisoner's Wine is amazing where they take all these great historic prisoners and the wine's really good. And so hold the whole experiential to where we have this, you know, you between the wine bottle and with your phone, you could like put it on. Um, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. And tell the story. And then they do, it's kind of like a sort of Harry Potter thing, isn't it? The best prisoner tried to escape on this rib, but they do the most amazing job using AR and yep. tech VR when you're doing it on their wines. That's what their, their labels are made for to put the phone up to capture it and to watch yep. the label come alive. And it's called Prisoner's Wine. The wine's really good. Totally. You and that you can imagine again, that's kind of, I, I forget what the phrase, I think somebody coined the phrase, the kind of the meta web, which is basically like the worldwide web layered into reality where we just found another way to kind of join the two, whether that's a phone or whether that's a lens or whether that's, you know, some other device. A bottle of wine. Yeah, a bottle of wine. I mean, that's the best way to see all this stuff. I am definitely <laughs> going to have to get you and Joe prisoner's wine. And I only <laughs> on Joe because I know Joe crafts craft beer. So I thought if anybody on this call would know about it, it would be. Uh, just- yeah, I, I remember seeing that. It remembered. It, it reminded me the first time I saw it of like the Harry Potter Prisoner of Azkaban. You know, where where yeah. each of these the images come to life. That's funny. Okay, so you know what, Phil? I we are running out of time. I want to thank you so much for um, being on Media Maven's podcast today. Thank it was you such a great to talk AR VR and where we're going right now with all of this. Where can people find you who are listening right now? Probably the. Best way, my most social social is LinkedIn. So just go on uh, LinkedIn, search for Phil Ashcroft, and then yeah, get in touch. Perfect. This is Sarah Miller, CEO of Axis Entertainment. I want to thank Phil and Joe Pirates, my co-host, and we'll see you again next week on Meet and Maven Podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Media Mavens Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or you want to find past episodes, Subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. For more information, go to mediamavenspodcast.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.